Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to be with you today once again on this Tuesday of April the 21st, 2020, and we are looking forward to the study of the Word this week together. Yesterday, uh, we begun, uh, I believe, in a powerful way, uh, our study where the Lord uh, took us uh, concerning, you know, the salvation, concerning in Hebrews, uh, the washing, the tabernacles, tabernacle, so many things concerning uh, the price that Jesus pr- uh, paid for us and everything that it entails. And, and we're just so excited about what God is showing us. I want to also give a praise report and just let you know that we thank you for your emails, your calls, uh, whatever manner that you are communicating and letting us know that these uh, podcasts are being a blessing unto you. And so today we want to encourage you to continue to share these podcasts and tell others uh, about these podcasts that they could listen and hear what the Lord is saying. We're excited about the Word of God, and we want to give all due diligence and, and make sure that we spend this time in the Word of God. It's always a pleasure to be here with our panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty. It's always good to be with you two men of God to study the Word of God. So let us get ready. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your mind, prepare your spirit, have your word with you, and let's get ready to study the word of God. Brother Marty, I'll leave it here with you. Oh, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again today, and uh, we're looking forward to today's study. As always, we need the Holy Spirit to, to delve into these areas of discussion. But I think that in light of the history that we're witnessing, that we're still living under a global pandemic a lot of things are shifting and changing. A lot of things are happening behind the scenes uh, at very high levels. Um, the natives are getting restless here in the United States, starting to you know, go out there like knuckleheads marching on the capitals and so forth and so on. And it's just an interesting thing to see this push, this pull, this struggle amongst the people of the earth. And so we are continuing to go forward in our studies today, hopefully by the Holy Spirit, having the veil uh, drawn back so that we can see and understand exactly what it is that we are involved in and truly what every generation has gone through uh, since the days of Adam, really. But where we are now, we believe, is that we have come to the end of the end of all things. I believe that we have entered into the time of the end. You know, the Bible makes a distinction between the the last days, the latter days, or the time of the end. Jesus talked about, uh, you know, the days of sorrow, you know, that the days of sorrow would give way to the tribulation, which gives way to the great tribulation, which ultimately gives way to the return of the Lord. And we believe we're somewhere in there. Uh, I believe there are yet several years ahead of us because there's other scripture that needs to be fulfilled. And we know that the Bible specifically speaks of an apportioned final 42 months of history upon the face of the earth, the last three and a half years of human history, uh, which will be apportioned and given over to the wicked one, to the devil himself, to his child, that one we call the Antichrist, and the false ecumenical leader who looks like a lamb, but in fact will be speaking by the power of the dragon, All these forces are converging and will converge in the final 42 months of human history 
and there it shall be determined and decided uh, the final judgment of humanity will, will come forth as well as the creatures and beings and hierarchy of a whole world that is very well, uh, very rarely uh, spoken about. <clears throat> Little is very much understood by, by, by many in the churches today. Uh, and, and many pastors don't even approach the subject. But that is not scripture because what we see as we go into the word today, and I encourage you to have your Bibles with you and to follow along as we study. Uh, and we're going to be coming to you today from Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we will begin to to explore some of the things that, that were revealed there by the Apostle Paul. Because many people would say, well, why do you go into these subjects? Well, the, <laughs> it's in the Word of God. So <laughs> if it's in the Word of God, then we have to we have to study them and be diligent in, in exploring these scriptures. Because sad to say, you're not really going to hear it in most churches today. The message right. is completely out in left field somewhere, you know, adrift on a sea of inconsequential messages. But God's people are beginning to be stirred. I sense His Spirit yeah. moving across not just the United States, but across the globe amongst our brothers and sisters that are going through far more than we are in this country. Nevertheless, with that in mind, what we want to do today is peel back the veil a little bit, if we can, by the Holy Spirit, and begin to discuss what it is. Uh, and, it, and this will be the beginning. I think we're going to get really deep into this. So we're going we're gonna to lay some groundwork today. We're going to look at some things that I think those of you listening will, will find rather interesting and might even open up some insight into why we go through the things we go through not just on a on a large big picture scale but even in our own personal lives it'll begin to make more sense and so i want to pick it up the apostle paul is bringing a conclusion to the letter that he wrote to the church at ephesus and in chapter 6 of the book of ephesians beginning with verse 10 he says this he says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against the spiritual wickedness in high places. So that's where we want to jump off today because we don't have time to get into the whole of the of the book of Ephesians, but really where we picked up our scripture today, we're having a concluding thought given to us. In other words, Paul's finishing up what he's saying to the church at Ephesus and he says, "Finally, brethren, you need to understand to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might." It's an interesting statement because then he goes on to reveal that we're going to need part of us being strong in the Lord is is having on or putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So right there, he's re revealing to us that we are engaged in a conflict that is otherworldly, that the origin of the conflict that we are engaged in does not have its origin in the natural world, which is why he goes on to say in verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers. Notice what he says. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So right there, he begins to make a distinction in case people say, you know, what I'm going through has its origin in fallen humanity. That's not what he's saying. He's making a distinction between humanity and what he calls principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this cosmos or this world and against spiritual wickedness in the high places. And that's what we want to look at. And we want to explore today, what in the world is he talking about there? And why is he revealing it? Remember, we, in order to understand these things and why he begins to emphasize this at the close of the letter, <clears throat> is we have to really take an overall look at the book of Ephesians. And I want you to be able to do that on your own time. You might want to spend some time reading it from, from chapter 1 to chapter 6. And understand that when Paul is revealing what he's revealing in the book of Ephesians, he's not breaking it up into chapters and verses. He's literally giving us an entire whole thought. You know, a lot of times preachers will preach out of it because it talks about marriage. It talks about servants obeying their their employers. It talks about uh, children, how to treat children, how children should treat their parents. And they begin to use these scriptures as pastoral messages. But while that may be good that is not what paul's talking about what he's literally talking about before we get into this is what he's trying to reveal to us and trying to take back um our temporary understanding from us and and push us forward into an eternal understanding and i'll give you an example brother jeremy could you read uh chapter one uh verse uh verse three and four and five yes Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So where Paul draws our attention to there as he begins the letter, we started at the end, but so that we can kind of get an understanding of where we're headed here today and why he says what he says at the end. He draws our attention to even before the foundation of the universe and of the planet Earth. Right. And he says that, and, and then when he went, when he ends verse 5, he talks about, the good pleasure of the will of God. And so what he's trying to express is that the will, the purpose, the desire of the creator, of, of, of the Lord God, of, of Echoa Elohim, of the Lord God, is being played out within the cosmos, within the universe and upon the planet Earth. And he wants them to begin right off the bat when he's writing here, to take their spiritual antenna and 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 put it up so they can hear what he's saying because he's he's revealing that what God is doing and what he is working out throughout history is is way before there ever was even a world and that you and I were selected in the dateless ancient past for what is now unfolding before us has all been planned and has all been set into motion 
by the determinate counsel and will of Almighty God. And he says this is vital for us to understand because when we get to the end of the book of Ephesians, he starts talking about enemies and aggressive forces of evil and darkness that are coming against us to contest the very will of the creator himself. This is how deep Paul is going in this letter. And this is how far he is trying to take us to understand that the origin of conflict, the origin of struggle, the origin of all the things that we go through, which is common to all of us because we're all human, he wants us to understand that it has its origin in the dateless, undefinable past when there was no time. And so that itself begins to imply a whole system, a whole framework, a whole uh, institution of governments and hierarchies that appeared to be active within the confines of eternity, determined by the plan and the purpose of the only one and true God. And so when he begins to reveal to us what he just did in verse 4, is that he has chosen us in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the universe were even laid. He's trying to elevate us into a deeper understanding of what it really means to be saved and to be forgiven and to be uh, a child of the Most High God. And it's with that in mind, and we'll get into this a little deeper as we go on in the next couple podcasts, but we need to understand that Paul is is contrasting uh, the, 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 the natural world with the spiritual world. And that is why he begins at the end of his letter, based on that little introduction we gave there, uh, he begins to say uh, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So he draws our attention to something that should cause us to understand that in order to engage in this conflict that he's beginning to reveal is raging, that the strength necessary to do it and to stand up against it will never be found in my own will or in my own ability, that my strength has to rest uh, solely within what the Lord has accomplished. The strength is in the legal authority that Jesus Christ possesses and what he won when he was raised from the dead and what has been given to him is the right to rule over all creation. And so he says the only way that you can combat these principalities, these powers, this wickedness, these evil rulers of darkness which are coming against you, and the reason they're coming against you is to contest what Christ did at Calvary and on the third day when he rose from the tomb. They're trying to contest that authority. Of course, they can't. Their days are numbered. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, we're told that the days just ahead of us are going to realize an absolute uh, bringing down of the devil himself into the realm of the planet Earth. He's been cast down to Earth, it it says in in the book of Revelation chapter 12, I believe it is, and he's going to know that he has a short time, and that is implying that currently he doesn't have a a a confine in time, but in the near distant in the near future 
he's going to be brought into it and understand he has now uh, being marked. His time has come and he's going to begin to fight and resist. But until that ultimate expression of bringing him and casting him out, so to speak, into the earth realm, there is a conflict that is raging. And Paul says the only way to combat it is to be strong in what the Lord has established. Now, the question has always been, how do I be strong in him and in the power of his might? Because there's a two-component thing here. Before we put on the armor of God, we have to understand what Paul said. He said we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's a two-component ingredient that empowers us to begin to put on the armor of God and stand against this conflict that is raging. And so we have to ask the question, what is the power of his might? What is his might? And what is the power of it? And and, and there's an answer. Brother Jeremy, could you read that in, in uh, I think it's uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 4? Because the power, what the what the phrase "power of His might" is is implying, and and is re, is being revealed to us by Paul, who wrote Ephesians and now is writing to the to the book of, in the book of Romans. He reveals to us what the power of His might is. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. yes. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so what are we told here? That the authority and the identifying marker that Jesus is the supreme ruler and the son, the only begotten son of, of, of the creator, was, was, was the identifying marker was the resurrection from the dead. And then he says how the resurrection came about was by the spirit of holiness, by the power of the resurrection, by the spirit of holiness. Can you read that again, Brother Jeremy? Verse 4. Yes. It's, um, and delivered, okay, and, de- and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Well, let's take a look at that real quick because we're laying a legal case here. The power of his might then can be said this way, that the Son of God was, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. And so when Paul says the power of his might, he's referring to this very thing that he referred to, to the Romans. The power is the resurrection from the dead, and it was done by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, the Spirit of God is the power of God. The resurrection is the declarative identifying marker that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a legal term. This is spiritual authority being revealed. It is it is peeling back, if you will, or just beginning to open up the shades as we look through the window and peer into these things, that Paul is talking about something so complex, yet so profoundly simple to understand by the by a by a by a heart that that seeks to know the revelation and the things of God, it is yet very complicated in the sense that it's so large and huge what's being said. Yet the simplicity of the joy of it once it once once we understand it empowers us 
to stand in the might of the Lord. Our authority is found in his resurrection. It is that resurrection that identified him as the Son of God. And the Son of God is the one whom the Father has given all authority. So when he says, back in Ephesians, let's go back there, be strong in the Lord, he's, he sets that forth first because he's about to reveal that the, the conflict that we're engaging in is against such high, incredibly powerful creatures and beings that the only way to stand against them is in the legal authority that has been given to Christ Jesus and that legal authority stands solely and exclusively on the fact that the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And so we have to stand in the strength of that and, and combat or fight by the Spirit of God that dwells in us now. That's why Jesus told the apostles, and I'm not trying to get too loud here, i got to calm myself down, but I sense the power of it. You know, that's why Jesus told his apostles, it is so much better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. Jesus made a way for every son, daughter of the Most High God, to become a receptacle, a vessel, a container of the same authoritative power that raised the Son of God from the dead. He says it's that same power that has come and dwelt in you and me. And that we must allow the authority of the resurrection, which declares that our Lord is supreme over their Lord in his name and clothed with his armor. We are able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. Can you say amen to that? Amen. <laughs> That's what Paul, Paul would reiterate to us. We are not debtors. One thing that is clear is this. We're not debtors to the flesh. There's yes. nothing in in us. There's I mean, there's nothing. It's it's. it's she's saying it's, it's by His Spirit, right? What what He declared in um, Romans eight Romans eight eleven, right? Yes. That the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. You're talking about that power, right? Yes. Is yes. the same one that uh, that raised us up, Christ from the dead, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, yes. we are debtors not to the flesh. Yes. So so one and, thing that's clear is is that that answer is not in in our flesh, right? <laughs> it's more. Yes, and even more so, brother Jeremy, we are not debtors to the flesh. Take it in the in the spiritual way that it's being communicated because a lot of times people make the mistake of simply re relegating the debt to the flesh as just simply being their own mortal body. But what he's talking about there is the material substance that makes up everything which has which is under judgment and and was corrupted by uh, the fall of the devil himself and 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 the penalty over all creation apart from Christ that's why Paul says be strong in the Lord is going to be judgment and ultimate renovation by fire and so i do not owe my life or my being uh to the material fallen creation, which is headed by a fallen being who we call the devil. So I'm not a debtor to that. I owe it nothing. I couldn't pay the price, but I've been redeemed or purchased out of that situation 
<laughs> that's going to come right. to an end. Uh, and I've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's why the, the, the scripture says God has delivered us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And I want to show you something else because we're talking about what Paul yes, is saying is strong in the, in the power of his might. Wait a minute. It is therefore, right. it's actuated resurrection power and life that's in us. And it's that flowing out of us, which gives us the legal authority uh, to, to combat principalities and powers in Jesus' name. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, and he uh, confirms that again, where we're talking about the power of his might, what he's referencing to uh, in Ephesians 1.19. It says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, Ward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, there it is, which he mm -hmm. wrought in Christ when he when? raised him from the dead yes. and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And then it says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That's powerful. And that, that, that's excellent. Oh, I'm glad you went there. Because now with that in mind, we're going to talk about now we can look at Romans chapter six real quick. Would you turn over there, brother Jeremy, and, and yes. look at what he says here? Uh, six, um, verse one. Let's start with verse twelve. Twelve. Okay. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should number obey one, it, it. In the lust thereof. Number one, it doesn't have the ability to be your king anymore sin which work is death right when sin is conceived it brings forth death but death has no more right over you you're under a different kingdom that's why he's using the word reign he's not simply talking about the struggles that you have as an individual when you are tempted or when when the will or the mind of the flesh itself has been actuated by a fallen power, an energy, if you will, of darkness that that causes everything to to stand against the resurrection power that's on the inside of you. The issue is legal. The issue is right. the authority that was won by Christ, and that is what He is telling us to do. We don't have to let it. Uh, stand as a false pretender to the throne of my life anymore. That's what he's saying. But the only way to fight against it is not by any other means but the resurrection from the dead. I keep reading. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So how does he say that the key to overcoming this is to live as those that are already resurrected. Read it again and read it slow. Right, right. <clears throat> it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. He's not saying it's and a future thing that's coming. He's saying that it has already happened to you. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were resurrected. Remember, the Bible says that we were born dead, right? We were born under sin. Death was already in us. 
But when Christ rose from the dead and we accepted that, we became born again and we are alive. That's why Paul says to be absent from the body is to be, right? Is to be present with the Lord. The resurrection has already begun. The resurrection was already uh, a reality when Jesus came out of the tomb. And what Paul is laying forth the case here is that the key to to uh, to uh, to 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 bringing your your physical body under control is by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Spirit within you. And he says that. Listen to what he says in verse 13. He says, he wants us to understand what our vessels really are. He says, do not yield your members or your body as a instrument. Now, you look up that word and you'll see that that word instrument really should be interpreted as a weapon. As a weapon. And so he's saying, do not yield your body as a weapon of unrighteousness. Let's just camp there for a minute. I got to slow down because this is very deep stuff. Because what most people don't understand about consciousness and being, soul, and living within a physical body that's made up of a material universe that was plunged into darkness by the original fall of Lucifer. The whole of creation is energized. It's energized with rebellion, and it still goes on today. We are under a different covenant than the rest of creation. We are under the new covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ in a new kingdom. And it is a kingdom that is meant to express itself through the body of Christ, or subsequently the devil expresses himself through his church, which is the the balance of humanity that doesn't belong to God. And both, right. right, and both are weapons. And so he says, the only way is to yield yourself by a revelation of the spirit now that you are alive from the dead right now. You're not going to go to sleep if, if if we go to sleep before Jesus comes and they put you in the ground and then you just hope, you know, however long it's going to be till that trumpet sounds and we come up out of the grave, that's the resurrection. No, sir. That's not what he's saying. He says you are to yield your body as a weapon of righteousness now, like as those that are alive from the dead. He's trying to communicate to us that the moment that we got born again, that resurrection power was deposited in us and we need to function and understand and be renewed in the way that we think about things in order that we would walk on such a higher level of existence that we could give expression to the will of God in the very actions that we take with our lives. Brother Fernando, you know, Brother Marty, yeah, you bring up great points because I remember when I got saved and, you know, I found my, I found myself dealing with this uh, war that we're talking about is raging war within my, my, my heart and my mind in particular. Right. And, yes. and, uh, so you, you begin to, you get saved, you, you experience that first love and, you know, it's like you come to Jesus, like you can't sin. And then you begin to see the, 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 the old nature trying to rise up. And, and then you, you, you hear preaching that says, well, you have to die to your old self continually. And so 
So you try to apply that, and you feel like that's your responsibility. You have to die to the flesh and, and so forth and so on. And so that was my, my, my daily thing, right? I'm just going to die to my flesh. But w- what the Apostle Paul is saying here is quite the opposite. He, he's saying when you got saved, you died, uh, you died to yourself there, right? Yes. Jesus triumphed yes. over your flesh. What your responsibility is now to to live in that resurrection power, right? As someone yes. that is uh, alive from the dead. Think about that. Yes. And, and and it's contrary to what you hear today, being preached. You know, you you gotta you gotta die to yourself. No, that already took place by faith when you believe and got saved. Your responsibility as a believer now is to is now that you have believed that is to apply the benefits, which yes. is to live a resurrection life. Yes. Right. And now and think about so, that. That makes. Go ahead. No, and and, and so a lot of people are being taught quite the opposite and they don't know how to handle this raging war within them. Yeah. Right? And they're being told you got to, whether it's look to the cross or grace, you know, or whatever it is that they're teaching, you got to die to yourself, but they're not teaching them how to live alive. Like you're alive from the dead to go on right. to the resurrection power. Yeah. Right? To the might and power of the Lord. So just wanted to bring and, that And that's out. what, yeah, and that, that's really excellent. And that's what we were trying to say. Uh, we were laying the case, you know, like in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, where he talks about what the power of his might is, right? The power of his might mm-hmm. is that resurrection power. It is what separates him and distinguishes him and set him forth as the legal heir of all things. Jesus implied by saying that he now is the possessor of all things, that all things were not uh, brought under subjection to him or given to him until he was resurrected from the dead. And that is the case. If you remember when Lucifer or Satan took Jesus to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the cosmos and the wealth and the riches of them, all the kingdoms of the universe, it wasn't just the earth. It was everything. It was everything. Yeah. And Jesus did not contend with him at that point. He didn't say, uh, you're lying. Right? I mean, he, he didn't even dispute with him. He, he answered him by the word. He said, uh, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only will you serve. He was preaching to the devil. Right? He was saying, you, yeah. you're going to worship the Lord your God because he made you, right? And you're going to worship him. Because that's what we're told is going to happen, right? That every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in the beginning of his ministry, as he set about to strip the devil of his legal right to everything that he controlled, which was only ministering death and decay, which is what we kind of talked about yesterday when we said, uh, when we were pointing out, when you actually look into the universe and you see the planets and and the and the asteroids and all this chaos going on out there, and you see these giant, you know, crevices on the planets or the moon or even on the Earth. The Earth is is scarred uh, in the, from the dateless past when massive uh, objects impacted it. It it lends a thought, if you will, to what the Bible seems to be saying that a conflict of biblical proportions took place in the dateless past. And when Jesus comes into the scene in the confines of of human history, 
Paul is pointing out, like we just read there, that that the that that everything that is happening and all of us that is the, the the portion that has been given to humanity and its history the children of god were selected in him or according to the will of him before any of that ever happened he's trying to let us know that that he's in control and when when jesus came into the earth and satan takes him and begins to examine him in that 40 days and 40 nights remember he takes him up and shows him everything and 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 really what he was trying to do was to maintain his position of hierarchy and and get the son of god through his wiles uh to 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 just blow the whole thing but he didn't thank god we serve uh not just a man but the but but the god man right and we serve the son of the living god he's awesome yeah. he's jesus and he began the, the he began the he began the process of stripping him from that power and taking it back. You were going to say? Yes, I, I think the the question too that we can pose, you know, to the listeners, to ourselves is it's very simple. We are either dead to the flesh or we're not. <laughs> there is no in between. Now, if we say, well, uh yeah, I'm dead to the flesh, but I'm still uh you know, whatever. This has is raining over me, then the Bible says that we cannot please God. Very simple. But if we right. say we have the spirit of life in us, then the Bible teaches us that that same spirit is going to quicken your mortal bodies, right, by his yes. spirit. So yes. I, I get it. There's a, there's a difference. Which what we're saying, what, what Paul is saying is that sin shall not have no dominion over you, will not reign over you. doesn't mean that we have... Uh, you know, things are not going to come our way, but it will not have dominion over you. So are we dead to the flesh or are we not? Right? That 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 That's the question. And if we say we're not, then there's no way that we can please God. Right. Yeah, if if we're living, that's why Jesus talked about it in John chapter 15, where he, he says, my father, I'm the true vine, my father is the husbandman. And then he goes on to say that we are to abide in him. And he, and then you ask, like, well, how do I do that? He reveals it. My words abiding in you. He is the word, right? So it is through the scripture that 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 the miraculous um, inner energy that that occurs when the Holy Spirit and the Word come together within the the our spirit and our soul. It is the miracle of God that begins to transform us uh, as we pursue Him. Look, man. There is no way to talk to God if you don't pray. There's no oh, way to bro. learn about God if you don't read his word. Now we begin to understand a little bit when Jude talks about build up yourself. How? Uh, in your most holy faith. Doing what? Praying right. in the Holy Spirit. So understand that what we're talking about, this, this resurrection power, it must be tapped into, so to speak. You must access that that power and and if you don't you're always going to have problems you will never overcome because you you will continue to to go through this this hamster like christianity where you're just running on an endless wheel spinning round and round going back to the same thing oh i messed up god forgive me okay it's his grace I, i'm forgiven and oh i messed up again and you just go through this whole cycle and you're living at such a low level when really what's being revealed to us is this is an incredible thing that God has done, is doing, and is yet to do 
And he wants his children, that's why Paul said, uh, finally, brethren, understand this. You're in a war, whether you like it or not. But the war really isn't against your own flesh. The war is against principalities and powers. And that's what he was trying to say. So let's take a look at that. Go over back over there to Ephesians, and, and, and we'll close quickly here. But I want to show you some things. In Ephesians uh, chapter 12, because we've, we've kind of set out there what we're talking about here and what's actually happening. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> chapter 6, verse 12. Are you guys there? Yes. Notice what he says here. He says, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. That kind of puts to death the idea, so to speak, that, you know, it's my stinking flesh, right? That's he's, No, it's not. It's not you. It, it's not your body in that sense that you're wrestling against. It's that which energizes your body. Understand that your body is fallen. Your 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 body is only one third of you. But what Paul is talking about here is even greater than that. He's saying that the origins of all this, and this is very difficult. I know I talk fast sometimes, but let's just pause here for a moment. Because this is the kind of thinking that needs to be developed within us by the Spirit in order to fully understand and grasp what happens. We are made of the substance of the universe. We were taken from the planet. We were taken from a planet from where rebellion has come. The ground has been cursed because of the rebellion. The rebellion plunged the entirety of the substance of the universe, the worlds which were framed by the word of God so that the things which appear were not made by the things which do appear. It is the substance, the material substance, which makes up our physical frame. And so it is that that gives expression to the darkness. That is why he makes a distinction between the children of light and the children of darkness. There are two competing synagogues, if you will, two temples existing on the face of the earth. One is filled with the spirit of darkness, which is the devil, his influences, and the other is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which is the church of the living God. Both are giving expression to the will of two competing forces, for lack of a better way to describe it. But only one now, by the resurrection from the dead, has the legal right, authority, and, 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 and all power given to him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, to rule and reign the entirety of creation. So what we're witnessing now is the resistance to what was achieved on the third day when he rose from the dead. And that is what Paul is trying to communicate to us. And he wants to open the curtain and have us look at exactly who we're dealing with. And today what we're going to talk about as we conclude is just the first one so far that he mentions. He says that the wrestle or the contest or the conflict is against, let's just look at this, principalities and powers. That's the first person or the first thing that he, he mentions. And to understand this at a much more profound level, we need to go into the original language with the Strong's Concordance, for example. It's not a state secret. You know, we can do this by study. But the word principality literally is the Greek word that Paul chose to use there is the word arche. Arche. That's literally how you say it. A-R-C-H-E. Principalities literally means, or arche literally means, <clears throat> the first estate or the chief leader of the commencement. It is a rule and authority that was achieved before time. <laughs> That's what he's saying. I just blows my mind, man. Yeah, because right. 
He says, okay, you want to understand what you're fighting against, he says? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so incredible because we don't ever hear this kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's, you no, know. You're right. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's that girl on the billboard. That's what you're fighting against. No, man. You ain't got no clue what you're fighting against. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he immediately draws our attention. And what, he, what, what that word literally means is the first estate. He's talking about the habitation that Jude mentions from which the angels exist within. And he's talking about that the origin of the conflict begins from that place of the commencement or before time. And it's a first estate. It's the first territory, if you will, for lack of a better word, right? lack of a better descriptive word it's the geography of the unseen it's the realm of the dimensional spirit world where where that which is truly real exists and why do i say truly real because hebrews chapter 11 reveals to us that the things which we see that is our world our planet the five physical sense world it wasn't made with 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 the substance of 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 the universe itself it was made and had its origins in the in the realm of the real the substance of it came out of the dimension of the heavenly realm that is the first estate that is the territory that is the place where things exist that are what the bible terms principalities powers dominions thrones what we are talking about here is not ever talked about. Rarely is it talked about. But it is a necessary yeah. component to the evolution, if you will, of spiritual depth, understanding, and revelation in just exactly who it is that Jesus is. I'll give you an example. Hopefully this will help. Do you remember when Jesus came and they crossed the ocean? And they came to the other side, and it says there met him a man there out of the tombs. And that's that's the story of the man from Gadara, right? And Jesus right. began yes. to ad- and 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 what do we see there? We see it, it's as if he's a territorial spirit, because he comes to the Lord, but he has to do homage to Jesus, and he falls <laughs> at his feet. And what does he say to the Lord? Have you come to destroy us? before our time that implies that there is already a pre-existing understanding that they're doomed and they understand what's coming but they also understand the timing of it and how they understand the timing of it is by the scriptures even the devil himself quoted the scriptures to jesus right in the second temptation when he took him up to the pinnacle of the temple he he quotes the scriptures and says, cast yourself down for it is written that God will give his angels charge over thee, right? He quotes the Bible to Jesus. Imagine that. So they understand by the word how and what their limitations are. How it's going to come about has been hidden in Christ before the foundation of the world. But there we see in that example of the demonic possessed man who confronts Jesus and Jesus asks him, what is your name? And they said, we are legion, for we are many. They were controlling a geographic territory, but they had to yield 
to the highest of all powers, which is the son of the living God. And how did they know who he was? I, I guarantee you they knew who he was because of their master who got defeated on that mountain when Jesus said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. I bet you this great council took place where he summoned all his fallen uh, you know, comp- compadres and said, we got trouble, boys. I think the one that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 that was going to come and destroy my head, he quite possibly is here. And thank God Jesus, he passed Jesus, that to right. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus was well aware of this unseen world. Right, that that the apostle Paul is trying to describe to God's people. Yes. Right. We focus so much on this material world, and it's 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 like the apostle Paul. That was his prayer that we might be elevated. Right. In the in the first chapter, to this yes. kind of understanding and 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 that we can have this kind of these kind of optics, so to speak, Good. to be able to pierce and see that we are surrounded by much more than what we think. And, yes. and what's taking place in this unseen world is really where the issue is at. It just came into our dimension, so to speak, of time and space. And everything yes. that is, and what you were laying out earlier, everything in this material world, not just us, that is tangible, was corrupted, not just in this world, but in the universe. Everything in this in, in this universe that is tangible and can be seen and touched is corrupted by sin. Yes. The whole world, everything is. All right? So, but yes. where does all this begin? Did it begin with us or with Adam? No, the, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is giving us insight that this thing has sin, has its origins in a uh, world that is unseen, right? The Apostle Paul spoke about uh, that in Colossians, right? That which is invisible yes. and visible. Yes. And, and it's true, brother. It's true. To explain these things to the modern-day Christian, they're like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. right? It sounds like a, some but, kind of a sci-fi movie. But, no, it's, it's exactly what, yeah. what, what the Apostle Paul is saying. We wrestle yes. not against flesh and blood. Like, I yes. want you to understand it, because if you lack this understanding, the devil is going to mop the floor with you, and you won't Absolutely. have a clue where these punches where these punches are coming from because they're not from this world. Yeah, and they're that's why that's, that's powerful. Ahead, yeah, okay, no, I just wanted to say that that's why Jesus would say things like, "For this cause came I unto this hour," right? And then the yes. people were astonished, and then he would say things like, "The voice that came." not because of me, but for your sake. Look what he says. Yeah. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this yes. world be cast out. Jesus knew. You're right. He knew when he would speak these things. You know, his purpose, yes, it was to come and die on the cross, but it was it was more. <laughs> like we were talking about yesterday, right? It, yeah. it, it was more. He, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Words of Jesus. And what, did, and what he meant by that, Brother Jeremy, as as you're explaining there, just, just so we can pause right there. Notice what he said in that scripture, and that's an excellent place to go, because he identifies him as a ruling power, right? He calls mm-hmm. him a prince. He lets us know he has authority, and the authority that he had was to rule the world. 
right? The cosmos, the, 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 the universe and the earth proper. He had a dominion over it. But then he, he, he terminates it and he begins to declare that the end of that rule and the end of that reign has, has now come to pass. That he was about mm. to go to Calvary. He would pay the price in order to cleanse the heavens and, 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 and purify uh, a passageway uh, after his resurrection for all who would believe. And that's why he said, now he's cast out. In other words, he is no longer going to be in charge of this place. Hallelujah. I am. Right. Hallelujah. And so are my children, right? In my name. That's why he said, in my name, you'll, you'll tread on serpents. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're going to. Yes. But you see, oh, but yeah. again, right? We can't just willy-nilly use the name of the Lord. The enemy recognizes the resurrection power of Jesus in us. And, and mm -hmm. he recognizes, Good. consequently, when it's not there. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, right? When the seven sons of Sceva, were told, tried to cast out a devil. And they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. Come out of the guy. And they said, we know who Paul is, and we know who Jesus <laughs> is, and we know who Paul is. Who are you? See, right. so when you try to, right, <laughs> when you try to fight him without that authority in your life, because the only authority they recognize is Jesus Christ. But if we don't have his quality, his character, the Holy Spirit, we allow him to bear the fruit of the Spirit through our life. If, we, if we're not praying, if we're not studying, if we're not allowing Christ to take full control and domain over the territory of our life, spirit, soul, and body, don't you think you're going to come up against demon powers that have been around for the dateless ancient past? That's what Paul's saying. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, his authority, his rule, because he's above all things. And when you, when you, when you stand in that, he says, you'll be clothed with an armor that cannot be pierced. And so he wants us to understand, again, as we get close to closing this out, uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we're just identifying the very first one, which is principalities and powers. The word principality means the first estate, the first geographic territory where all rule and all sorts and manner of, of, of personality and being. We like to use this whole encompassed, um, encompass all this with the phrase angels, right? But there's so much more than that. I mean, the Bible talks about seraphim and cherubim. It talks about ministers of fire. It talks about the mm. sons of God. I mean, this is a whole incredible landscape that the scripture is daring to talk to us about. And Paul says, that's who you're dealing with. A contingent within the first estate, within the first expression of the creator, wherein he created all of these creatures, multiple principalities, multiple thrones, multiple dominions and territories that are ruled and relegated by his sons. It was, it was in the confines of that community that one arose and led a rebellion that has now spilled over into this universe and this planet. And your Lord came and dealt with these boys, and he now has been given all authority. <laughs> Praise God. Praise Lord, God. He's, he's God. You know? 
He's not some yeah. little Nordic guy with long blonde hair and blue eyes holding a nice little lamb under his feet with manicured toenails, right? I mean, he's Jesus, the son <laughs> yeah. of the living God. And devils bow to him. The, the devil flees when he sees him. He's afraid of him because he knows his day is coming. And that trumpet's going to be blown not too many days from now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, <laughs> uh, You know what? Lord I got so God. much more here. But I think we'll pick it up here tomorrow. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is yes. God. He's far than what we make him out to be. He's, he's God manifested in the flesh. And he will forever yes. be our Lord. It is in his name, his authority, his quality, his character uh, that, 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 that we overcome all things by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And we love not what our lives, even unto the death, so that he can resurrect within us and then express his will of, of the fruit of the Spirit throughout all the ages that are yet to come. I thank God for our oh, Lord. Yeah. He's Hallelujah. a big God. <laughs> Glory yes. to God, we'll, and we'll pick it up here tomorrow. We're, we're going to go forward. We're going to look into some things that that are going to really, really, uh, I believe, by the Spirit, if He allows us to, to to go deep into these things, so that we understand where we are and where we're headed. Understand this: that what we are seeing on the planet right now, this pandemic, this virus, and the moving and the shifting, and all the governments of the world. You know, the hint of war in the air. I don't know if you've been noticing how they're they're trying to lay this heavy trip on China, right, which they probably richly deserve. But already the Western powers are jockeying, you know, talking about they got to pay us trillions of dollars for what they did. Others are calling for, you know, some sort of military action to punish them. Just peer back behind the veil and understand that all of these things are converging now because what is ahead of us and what Paul is trying to tell us is that is what is ahead of us is is the conflict of the ages but the child of god knows that the victory has already been won the price for my sin was paid on calvary the the, the joy of my oh, life yeah. was seen on the third day when he rose from the dead and declared the bible says what he was declared to be the son of god with power declared by who by the father himself this is my son, right? <laughs> Thy yeah, throne, O God. That's what he said. Right? <laughs> Glory yeah. to God. All right. Go ahead, guys. You close it out for me, would you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when, when uh, I, I, make, I make this comment, just in case, or, you know, somebody's asking a question, well, didn't Jesus already defeat these powers and principalities? The Bible says he made a, a, a spoiled right uh, uh powers and principalities yes. and he and he defeated them and, and and somebody asked the question you know then why do we need to fight against these or wrestle against these powers and principalities you know the question is then why would paul write about that right and yes. this is something we have to understand the what the price of that jesus paid on the cross and the resurrection it it, it the defeat of the enemy is inevitable but is it complete yet? Well, Hebrews 2.8 says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Mm -hmm. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Notice the next phrase. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So there but are still see. powers of dark. 
there's still powers of darkness that are that that are not given up yet. But the, the so read the read the rest of that inevitable. read the rest of that scripture, brother. Read the rest of that scripture. Uh, we don't verse? we don't see all things put under his feet yet, but we see what. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering yes. of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's it. And that's what we see, right? We see the victorious, living son of the living God. And that is enough. That's what he's saying. That's enough to hint and let us know, so to speak, not even hint, but to really to let us know. And every generation that lived post-resurrection under the coming of the Lord, it's enough. Because what you just read there, brother, that's leg- that's, those are legal terms, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. an established legal authority. And he says, so what you were saying, that's an excellent thing you pointed out, because that is what people say. Well, I don't get it. Well, the authority of Christ is what was one. You know, the authority over the entirety of everything was one. But the war rages on. But the authority to, to, to put down all rule, all resistance and rebellion is yet being worked out and will finally be concluded when he returns not too many days from now, right? Revelation chapter 19. He's going to bind yeah. that old devil, cast him into the bottomless yes. pit, throw the Antichrist yes. and the false prophet into the lake of fire, and he will put down all rule and authority into the subjection of Christ Jesus, his only begotten son. And then we, we go in, which is for another time, into the into the millennial reign of Christ, right? Which will culminate with Christ turning the kingdom over to the Father, that God might be all in all. That's First Corinthians chapter 15, for those of you who want to study it, because we're going to talk about that tomorrow, too. Go ahead, Brother yeah. Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's powerful. And that authority that he won is given to us, it's the church. And so we are in this warfare. We have been enlisted, right, as Paul told Timothy, um, as as a soldier, yeah, in, this, yes. in this ongoing and raging war, right? So it, it, it's 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 going to come to an end. Jesus Christ is coming, and He's going to take back what's His. This planet is His. Yeah. Amen. So Amen. this is powerful things. Powerful things that we're saying. Powerful stuff that the Word of God is declaring. And I'm excited about where this is going to take us. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Many people that are asking in the beginning, right, hey, why do you guys talk about these things? Well, why shouldn't we? <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it, right. I mean, why, should, why shouldn't we be talking? This is what we need to be talking about at this hour. You know, I'm making plans, and I know all of those, uh, to have front row seats when the devil, the Antichrist, false prophet are cast down in that lake of fire. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was thinking about that song. <laughs> He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. He is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess yes. that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray that you have been blessed uh, today. And as you have heard, we're looking forward to get into this study concerning what Paul says in Ephesians. Be praying uh, and, and, and yes, study. Study the book of Ephesians. Study it as a whole. And I know these things will be begin to make even more and more sense to you. Even if you have to go back and listen to this podcast, things will begin to make more sense to uh, your life. We pray that you have been blessed. 
May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. And keep looking up.